things in here. So let's stand and let's read a little bit of this here. As God literally brings hell to the earth. It says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. Tim was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So notice this star was given a key, and he did something. So I don't think it's our typical star here. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. Father, this morning, as we turn our hearts to your word, Lord, help us to see what, await man, what awaits mankind this morning. Lord, help us to see for our own, style, our own lives that we would seek to live holy, godly lives before you. Lord, speak to us. Lord, bless our study of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We're in the middle of the trumpets sounding their calls for judgment on this earth. And so as we jump in here, I want us to consider how these things are going to come on the earth. They're coming. So they should not only impact our heart for those who are lost, but then also impact our lives to where we would seek to live godly, holy lives in these last days that we all live in. Now, before we can punch forward, we've got to look back one verse at the start of verse 13 of the previous chapter. We finished up last week with, whoa, 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 you ain't seen nothing yet. As three more angels prepared a sound. But notice, there's a pause. This whole book is filled with pauses until we get to chapter 16. God places these pauses in there so that mankind will repent and turn to God. It's not like, I mean, God could have just wiped it all out. He did that in the flood. But in this time around, God places these pauses in the action. It's a totally, and when we see these pauses, it's a total act of mercy on God's part, not desiring that any man should perish. So the angels sounding the woes, flying through heaven, so the inhabitants of the earth could hear. So why is God doing that? Well, I think for starters, the world has to come up with some reason when all these millions of Christians leave the planet. So, you know, they're going to have to come up with sci-fi reasons or ET reasons or have to come up with something. Certainly man will come up with crazy reasons as to why all these Christians have vanished off the earth. Because they're never going to acknowledge God, at least not many. Some will. And so here is one of God's angels sounding to and fro throughout the whole earth. There's more coming. There's more coming, indicating there's a pause. 
Turn to God. Get your life right with Jesus Christ. Because God doesn't want to see him wiped out. You have the 144,000 sealed, marked Jewish evangelists at chapter 7 tells us that they are out preaching the gospel to the inhabitants of the earth. They're out there telling people, get right with their maker. And it's almost like God starts off this chapter and saying, look, if you don't want me and my love and my grace and mercy and forgiveness, I will give you one last warning. And if that doesn't work, well, I'll let you have the evil you desire. We, I think we see a glimpse of eternal hell right here as we look at this chapter. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. This word fallen is in the perfect tense in the Greek language, which means it had already fallen, meaning it had happened once and would never be repeated again. So this star had somehow past tense fallen, never to be repeated again, and it says to him, to this star. Now, he ain't a star from what the world would say is a star today, but God places him here as a star and to him, to this particular star. It's given him personality. So we know this is a person of some sort. To him, this is not a, the great star in the last chapter that we saw fall to the earth. I mean, this is Satan. Or as we'll see in verse 11, the king of the bottomless pit. Job refers to angels as stars in chapter 38. You see, if you don't know this, Satan lost permanent residence in heaven and you can read all about that in Isaiah chapter 14. And it seems that once he got kicked out of heaven, he could only visit on occasions to where he would accuse you and me before the Father. We see that in the book of Job. That's what Satan does. He, he accuses you and me. But there's going to come a time when he's going to be cast out of heaven for good. His access to God off. Well, that time is here in chapter 9, and we'll see it again in chapter 12. Revelation 12 will tell us that one-third of the angels will be cast down with him. Revelation 12 says he recognizes his time is short, and literally, if it's bad now, it's going to be way worse then. For now, though, please notice, to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Please notice it was given to him. He doesn't have the power or the authority to take it. So, whom does Satan get the key from? How do you know that? Got to have backup. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. And I am he, Jesus says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. You see, Jesus opened the prison doors at his resurrection, and he led those Old Testament saints into heaven. However, the ungodly, they're still locked up. You need to know that the devil at this point does not get to keep the key. It was given to him for a short time. He has to give it back. You know, God is the one who has been and always will be in control of everything. And I wonder if from our own limited thinking at times that we think, wow, the devil must really be pulling one over on God because life is so hard right now. Man, God must be losing and the devil must be winning. I wonder if as Christians we ever think there's a wrestling match going on up in heaven. and The devil has God in a chokehold or something. Listen, 
The devil's a created angel. God created him. He has no control or power unless God gives it to him. He can only operate in those parameters of what God sets. It's important that we know that. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, we find that God is the one with the key to the bottomless pit, and he has this buck private, unnamed angel go and grab Satan and bind him and put him in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He, he has no authority unless God allows him to have that authority. God's the one who's always in charge. It's important that we know that. So what is this bottomless pit that needs a key? Remember the story when Jesus showed up in the area of Gadarenes and there was the man there that was demon-possessed. Remember the chains couldn't keep him. He was naked. He was crazy. Remember what he said to Jesus as Jesus was coming up to him? Jesus said, hey, what's your name? And the man said, my name is Legion, meaning more than one demon. Remember what... It, they said to Jesus, before he cast him out, remember the suicide thing, deviled ham, all that stuff? Here's what they said. We beg you that you do not send us out of this local area to the, this is our word here, to the abyss, to the bottomless pit. Same Greek word, different English word. See, they didn't want to go to this place. Hey, just let us go to where we can still roam, you know, but don't send us to the abyss. Don't send us to this bottomless pit is where the evil spirits are incarcerated awaiting the judgments of God. And certainly not all because there's demons and the devils doing his bad stuff today. However, some of them are so bad they get locked up. And they're locked up until the day of their release. So the devil is given the key, verse 2, and he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose, rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Man, it's understandable why God has this place locked up and that he's the one in charge of the key. And here's the crazy thought for the day. This place really exists somewhere today. It's somewhere. We don't know where it is, but it's somewhere. Somewhere today, this bottomless pit is locked up. Of course, there's all kinds of reason or answers as to where people think that is. Look at what it says here about this place. It's so nasty that as the door is open, the smoke arises from this place and the sun is darkened. Now, most evil men would probably live with that. They like the darkness. But it says the air was darkened too. Smoke so thick that it caused the air to be darkened. Forget about secondhand smoke or, or smoke-free environment. Not in those days. Man, it is going to be ugly. This blackness covers whatever is left of the skies. And then out of the smoke, as the door is open, out of the smoke, locust. Wait. No, that, that shouldn't be right. Locusts should be hindered by the smoke. You know, you go out and you smoke the mosquitoes with the mosquito fogger. Yeah, it kind of makes them sleepy for a while. Well, these aren't ordinary locusts. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Notice someone's in charge again. These locusts, the Bible tells us, arise up out of the smoke of the bottomless pit. 
These locusts that John saw, and I'll give you something to think about, were possibly the angels that rebelled against God way back in the beginning. It seems like they're the angels slash demons could be the ones that we read about in Jude 6 where Jude writes this, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Well, that day has come. It's right here in chapter 9. Some believe these angels are the ones who tried to cohabit with mankind back in Genesis chapter 6. And I can believe that. Because, see, we find giants on the other side of the flood. The only way those giants could be on the other side of the flood is if they were on the ark. They weren't, or they're demonic spirits, and they survived the flood. And so we find these things. You look at Genesis 19, you see the men in Sodom and Gomorrah coming out seeking sexual relations with the angels in Genesis chapter 19. Apparently the perverted men in Sodom knew something that we don't know today. It seems that throughout history, God has chosen to incarcerate certain demonic spirits. According to Peter in 2 Peter 2.4, it reads like this, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So as bad as things are in certain places around the world, yeah, this is nothing. These bad boys, they're locked up. And if these are angels described as locusts, then these are some bad-to-the-bone angels. Crazy. Please notice what happens to the locusts as they arise out of the bottomless pit. They were given power. So they're given limited authority. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth. So these locusts are able to receive instructions or any green thing or any tree, but only those men, it's important for us to realize this, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So if you are a mid-tribulationist or a post-tribulationist, hey, here you go. God bless you. Have a nice trip. Because the only ones these aren't going to get after are those 144,000 Jewish men who have the mark of God on them. So notice what these locust or demonic creatures are commanded not to eat. They, they do that which is what unnatural to them. Man, a locust today could swarm on the green grass or green thing and devour a plant down to nothing but a little stub above the dirt. But not these. These locust-type creatures are obviously intelligent creatures because they're able to understand. They're able to take direction. They're able to work within the parameters that is given them. Seeing that they're spirit beings, you cannot hide in a closet. Because why? Because the spirit beings will get in there. You can't make yourself a bomb shelter and hide up in the mountains of Montana and go, I'm just going to wait out the seven-year tribulation period in my bomb shelter. I'm sure there's people think that. Well, you know what? You may be able to wait out the seven-year tribulation period in your bomb shelter, but I'll guarantee you these locusts are going to come in and sting you and force you out of your bomb shelter. They're going to find you. For five months, it's literally going to be demonic hell on earth with some of the worst of the worst demons being let loose. Notice also in verse 4 that God makes a distinction between those who are sealed by God and those who are not. It's really important that we recognize that. And they were not given authority. Again, they have to understand these things. They're intelligent. 
And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Please don't miss this. Notice who's in charge. Tell the person beside you, do you see who's in charge? It's critical for us to know this in our everyday life. God is in control of every aspect of your life, so you don't have to be. Yeah, God gives us free will choice, and you can make the wrong choice, but God's in control of every aspect of your life. Everything that's going to come upon you, God says, he or she can deal with it as they look to me. He'll give you choice not to. But he's already seen everything. God never learns anything new. See, this is why you never have to worry. Because God's in control of everything. He's in control of the beginning. He's in control of the ending. He's in control of everything that comes into our lives. And everything comes into our lives for the sole purpose of changing us. Either to make us better or to make us better. That's why God allows it. These were given power that they, and they were told exactly how and where and when they could use it. Totally an act of mercy on God's part right here. You know, God could have wiped them all out. But God says, no, no, you're not, you can't kill them because I still want to see people come to faith in Christ. You can only torment them for five months and not kill them. Please see that. That's God's mercy here. I mean, it's God writes in his word. He does not delight in the death of the wicked. Hey, wicked mankind is what's on this earth. The, these locusts are coming. Nope, you can't kill them. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Anybody seen anybody get struck by a scorpion before? I have over in Africa. Man, you know, and they're, they're a little more emotional anyway. And they're, you know, they're rolling on the ground and wreathing and yelling and screaming and foaming and it's ugly. That's a normal scorpion. Actually, what they do is they take a taser and they shock you right in the spot where you get bit. Try and kill, the, kill whatever's there. I guess it works. Either that or you hurt more about the taser than the scorpion. But I don't know. I watched him. Somebody brought a, little, a two-year-old baby because he got bit by a scorpion, wanted him to taser. They said, we won't do that. It's crazy. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. That tells me it's fast. It's precise. Five months of stinging with death eluding you with every passing sting. And you think you're going to hide out in your bomb shelter up in the Montana mountains? Not happening. So whatever this is going to be like, it's not going to be pretty. It's also possible that these locusts will be used by the Antichrist to encourage people to worship him. But I don't, I'm not even sure about that because God wants to get everyone's attention during this time. Because God wants mankind to turn to him. Look what it says here in verse 6. In, the, in those days, men will seek death. Why? Because of these locusts, these demonic locusts, because of the sting, the torment. In those days... Men will seek death and will not find it. They're going to desire to die and death will flee from them. This is what awaits our unsaved family and friends. Right here. And I don't know, maybe you. Maybe you're not a believer this morning and God's brought you. He wants you to see what awaits you. Death is going to take a holiday for five months. Think of a man putting a gun to his head, pulling the trigger, and the slug hits the floor. No, it's supposed to go through them. 
not, not during this time. Think of a man jumping off a 100-story high-rise and he gets up and walks away. Why? He's trying to get away from the torment, but death, he won't find it. Crazy times. The soul's not going to vacate the body for five months, no matter what you do to it. And in the process of living like this, they are getting a foretaste of eternal agony in the lake of fire while they're walking on this earth. Don't miss God is giving man the chance to repent by not allowing them to be killed. It's critical we see that. It does something about how I view my God. He really does. He is loving. He is slow to anger. And I have to imagine that even now in God's timeline, a a few people will turn to him. A few people will come to Jesus with those open hands. I would think that a few would come. Most won't. We see man in his stubbornness is choosing to curse God and let the devil rule over them. And that's the future for all that are lost today. This is what awaits them. You know, there's hundreds of warnings in the Bible about hell. Some would say 600. Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else, or than any of the other writers all put together. You want to know why? We all know why, right? Because he created it. But hell was never created for you and I. Who was hell created for? The fallen angels. The Bible is very clear. Hell was, was originally created for the fallen angels. But if you are stubborn enough and trample over the blood of Jesus enough, you can actually get there. 600 warnings. Man, that seems like a major doctrine. Very many non-believers will talk about heaven. Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. How are you getting there? I'm good. Uh, Why did Jesus have to die? Oh, I'm still going to heaven because I believe. Uh, Believe in what? Well, I believe. I believe and believe. (laughs) Okay. Many non-believers will consider heaven, but not many want to consider hell today. You can't take one without the other because the Bible speaks of both. So what do you and I, as salt and light Christians, called by God to let your light shine and be the preserving influence in the world? What, what are we to do with all this? We got to do something with it. Think about your unsaved family and friends that are going to have an appointment with these locusts. Isn't it time to share with them? This is what awaits them. Isn't it time for them not to like you anymore, maybe? Because this is what awaits them. Is it not time to get your walk with Jesus as tight as ever? We all need to be. Hey, Christmas is coming. Put out a Christmas letter. You know, tell them about all the stuff you've been doing. And then in the letter, put a very clear plan of salvation in it and let them label you as a Bible thumper. Hey, at least they won't be able to blame you when they end up in this demonic place of torment for five months. They'll be able to say, oh, that's what they're trying to tell me. And then maybe they'll turn to Jesus. I'm going to read verses 7 to 10 with really no commentary added in. As John tries to describe these locusts to us, watch for the word like. So they weren't a horse. They were like horses. Okay, watch for the word like. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. As John tries to describe this thing. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. 
And their faces were like the faces of men. Anybody seen locusts like that lately? <laughs> Not even in Texas. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like the lion's teeth. Man, big and ugly, powerful, beautiful. That'd be the women's hair part. And they had breastplates, like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Even Hollywood can create this, I don't think. You know, whatever they are, we know for certain that they are possessed by demons from hell itself, seeking to wreak havoc on mankind. They are going to be ugly, scary, majestic, beautiful, and weird, all blended together. And God gave them a definite time limit that they had to work in. Please notice that. It says here very clearly, their power was to hurt men five months. That's not five months and two days. That's not four months, 11, or four months, uh, you know, and... 30, 29 days? So why five months? Why does God cap it? Well, I think part of it is so God can show mankind what eternal hell will be like. And the other part is so he'll, they can have time to decide they don't want that. I mean, think about this. God gives them a taste of hell for five months with the hope that they would repent. And he allows us believers to see it as well, that we might walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My encouragement to us all, all is this. Stay true to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus tells the parable about striving to enter through the narrow gate, for many will try, but few will get in. It's game time. We've we got to be game on. Don't start calling the shots of your life. He's the master. See, we're, we're God's children, so God's our Father, so we just, we get to enjoy the benefits of that. He's our master, we're his servant, so we get to enjoy the benefits of that. If you've fallen, and we do, run to the cross, repent, and get back in the game. But don't continue walking away. Verse 11, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. What an appropriate name for Satan. And if it's not Satan, it's some other high-ranking angel. In the Hebrew, this word, this name means the destroying angel. Here in the Greek, it means the destroyer, or one who likes to destroy, or one who destroys fully. And yet, that's all the devil knows, right? We read in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus says in John 8.44 that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. That's all he knows. The devil is an equal opportunity destroyer. He destroys everything and everyone that he can because he's evil through and through. And that's all he knows. And it seems he's the king of the pit. Not exactly something you want to write home to mom about. Hi, mom, I'm the king of the pit. <laughs> but that's what he is. One woe is past. There's a pause. It's the grace of God. 
Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. You should write in there, God is waiting. He's long-suffering. One down, two more to go. So God, again, is resting from his judgment. The others are coming. And there's going, going to be pauses all the way till we get to chapter 16, like I said. Then boom, 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 boom. All seven happen, and then you hear the words, it's done. For now, though, there's a short period of grace. They're getting a break in the action. They don't deserve it. But God is giving something they don't deserve anyway. He's offering them grace. He's offering them a chance to escape the two remaining woes. They haven't been serving God. They deserve judgment. But God is truly given something, giving them something they don't deserve, which is an opportunity. And this is the time to reflect on life and their present situation and what eternal hell will be like before their remaining woes hit. They have opportunity to turn. No one will be able to say, hey, God, that's not fair. No, God gave them all kinds of opportunities. Send an angel out across the whole world. Well, what about the lost tribe? No, God sent an angel out there to preach the gospel to them. Don't worry about them. Just worry about yourself. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels. So these are totally different deals here, okay? Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. When we started, locusts were in the bottomless pit. These here are bound at the great river Euphrates, wherever in the heck that is. And as this happens, the end time clock advances with the release of these four demonic angels. Somehow these four bad-to-the-bone angels are associated with the Euphrates River, which if you look at it today, has mostly all dried up and faded away. We know that Euphrates geographically is ancient Babylon, modern-day Iraq, and the Euphrates is associated with all kinds of crazy places in the Bible. It was associated with the garden, or the first man's first sin. It's associated with the first murder by Cain against his brother Abel. The first organized revolt against God is by the river Euphrates as they tried to build the tower. All of this happening in the same area around the great river Euphrates. And so somehow these, there's this place where these fallen angels, they're captive. They're bound. They're locked up. And they're bad. Again, they're locked up until God's time, which is their time, but it's God's time. So the four angels, notice this, who had been prepared. Wow, God prepared them for this time? Yeah. They're prepared. They're there for a reason. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. And how long is it going to take to kill a third of mankind? If you look closely at the sentence structure, I believe the answer is right there. It's all going to happen in one hour. That God has kept these angels bound up so that mankind could come to the knowledge of God, but there's coming a time when the door gets opened up. And these four bad boys will kill one-third in one hour on that very specific day in that very specific month of that very specific year that only God knows. 
Please notice here that God has always in his mind seen the beginning from the ending. He, he's not only all-powerful, but he's also all-knowing, knowing everything. And he knows all of it all at the same time. He can never learn anything new, and he can never be surprised by any new details. This end-time scene in Revelation is not something that God is creating on the fly. Oh, no. He's always knowing. He knew mankind would reject him, and, and, and when he came to this earth for the sole purpose of seeking to redeem them, he knew all that. But he came anyway for the sole purpose of those who would turn to Jesus. That's us, church. He came. But God is still in the deliverance business. That's why it is called the seven-year tribulation period and not the one-second tribulation period. But you know what? Man has to let go of himself to be saved. And if man doesn't let go of himself to be saved, well, you know what? The ugly horsemen are coming. Now, the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I've heard people say, yeah, that's the armies of China. Mm, I don't know about that. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision, those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, blue, and sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. You know, I didn't see any horses like that growing up on the farm, breathing fire, smoke, and brimstone. Except for maybe when it's really cold out and the, and the, and the nostril, the, as horses are breathing, the, the, it looks like smoke coming out of their nostrils in the wintertime. That ain't what's going on here. This ain't normal horses. Unless anybody have any horses that, <laughs> where fire, smoke, and brimstone comes out of their mouth, any, out of their noses or somewhere? So two thoughts here, your choice. It appears that these four angels in, are in control of 200 million either demonic beings or military soldiers. Your choice. I, I'm personally sticking with the demonic beings, but it doesn't really matter because we're both probably wrong. At first glance, you would think from the description given they're demonic beings, but then put yourself into John's shoes trying to describe something that you've never seen before. You ever notice how people with gas masks look? They look pretty scary, right? But then so can demonic creatures. So again, it's your choice. I'm always going to side with the demons here myself. Because it says here that they're going to kill and do all this killing in one hour. I think it's hard for man all over the world to kill, you know, all, all these people in one hour. But not demons. If all the prisons of the world were to be opened up and they could do anything they wanted for one hour, they would never be able to accomplish what's going to happen here. By these three plagues, a third of mankind will be, was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents. The locusts had, or had stings like scorpions. They can only harm. These kill. Wow, we started with harming and we're ending with killing. Why? Because God has allowed things to pass, but things are starting to crank up. Because the next time we get to judgment, where the seals are busting out, is chapter 16, and they go one after the other. It's all over. So God is increasing 
the pressure here, the torment. More people are dying. For their tails are like serpents having heads. Imagine a head on the tail of a horse. And with them they do harm. Assuming that after the rapture there are four billion people left on the planet. Again, it's totally against. I have no idea. But it's easy math for me. In the first four seals in chapter 6, one-fourth of the earth's population will be killed, leaving only three billion. By the sounding of the sixth trumpet in chapter 9, one-third more of the earth's population will be wiped out, leaving less than two billion people alive on the entire planet. Well, they'll all come into the scorpions and these crazy-looking horses. Remember the words of Jesus? It will be a time of great trouble such as the world has never seen before or ever will see again. It's going to be out of control. But the rest of mankind, verse 20, who were not killed by these plagues, notice this. They didn't repent. They had choice to. God wanted them to. But they did not repent of the works of their hands. See, they love their sin and stuff more. When you talk to somebody today and you're sharing Jesus with them and they say, no, 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 I don't want that. I always say, hey, so what sin are you into? I'm not. Yeah, you are. You're into something, man. You're serving something. You don't want to walk away from it. So what are you serving? Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm nothing. Yeah, they're lying. See, they didn't repent of the work of their hands. Look what this says. It's crazy. That they should not but that they should not worship demons and idols. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols. That's who they're worshiping. Every person on this planet has to worship something. I'd imagine a lot of people worship themselves. God's wired in man to worship. And if it's not the one true God... They're going to worship, it seems, without even knowing it, demons. So somehow idols and demons are tied together. Idols are the dead things, that little statues or cars or trucks or whatever, or whatever people worship. But demons are fallen angels. Demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent. Personal responsibility here. They could have. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries, that's drug usage, or their sexuality, or, or, or their sexual immorality. Greek word pornea, pornography, immorality, sex outside of marriage, adultery, homosexuality. Take your pick. Don't stone me. I'm just telling you the truth. They didn't repent of these things or their thefts. Please take notice that there are demons behind the worship of idols in these last days, but then that's nothing new because that's how it is right now as we get a little look into reality here. Lost mankind worshiping demons as they serve their idols and they don't even know it. That's the devil's greatest trick. You see, every man has a God that they follow after, whether saved or unsaved. And I'd imagine, like I said, some men are probably following themselves. 
They get up every morning, they look in the mirror and say, you are smart, you are intelligent, you are successful, I'm going to follow you, you are the greatest person on the planet, you are God. I'd imagine people do that. That's scary. According to Psalm 96.5, all the gods of this world are idols. Here's what he says. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord, God Almighty, made the heavens. And here they are. They're going to be worshiping their gods, their demons. Certainly that's what Jesus or the devil wanted. Remember, the devil comes to Jesus and says, hey, look, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you everything. That's all he wanted. Just a quick bow down. Same thing he wants today. For us that have Jesus as the master of our life, we've got to guard against all the junk in the world today. We do. For those that have the devil as the master of your life, and those are the only two choices, man, you've got to repent today. Because you know what? You're not promised to tomorrow. You may go home tonight. My son died at age 21. You don't know if you're going to have it tomorrow. If we knew he was going to die, we, we could have done something about it. Bob Dylan nailed it in his song, everybody is going to serve somebody. It may be the Lord or it may be the devil, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You know the song. <laughs> and it's either Jesus as Lord or the devil as Lord. There is no third option here. Each one offers something different to their followers today. Jesus offering hope and grace and mercy and forgiveness today if you'll turn from your sin and the devil offering up torment and pain and death. Just so we're all clear here, I, I think we can see the idols in our lost friends because an idol is anything that is the master passion controlling a person's life. So just then you can step back and go, oh, that's the idol that guy's serving right there. People have those passions for these various gods that they've enthroned in their lives. They worship them, they serve them, and they bow down to them. So as children of, of God, we need to be careful how we walk on this earth and, and not be taken captive by these false gods. The Apostle Paul puts it best this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. The man who wrote half the books of the New Testament... The man who was probably the greatest man who ever walked on this earth, not the God man, but the greatest man. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. See, he doesn't say, hey, I'm, I'm saved, once saved, always, I'm saved, now I'm just going to go live my life any way I want. No, he says, I, I, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest I, lest I be doing Christianity and I become disqualified. Well, how's that possible? I don't know. Ask Jesus about it. They're not, Lord, Lord, open up to us. And Jesus says, no, depart from me. I never knew you. And they said, no, no, no. Remember we prophesied in your streets and we taught, we did all, this, all these Christian works. So I, I don't know who those people are. I know this. I don't want to be those people. And I don't think you do either. You know, I'm not perfect. I have failed, but just because we're children of God, we have no right to live as the world lives. We're ambassadors. We're aliens. We're pilgrims of this earth. We have no right to live as, as if the world is our home. Jesus redeemed us. He took our place on the cross. He bore all of our sin and shame. He suffered the wrath of God Almighty. 
And he's judged this world, but he's redeemed us. I would hope that the throne of grace would be a familiar place to us all where the high priest is there that can sympathize with our weaknesses and so we're going to him often. We go there. We run there. Grace and mercy and forgiveness awaits us there. He he cleanses us from from our sin because we go to the great high priest. You know, we're saved by grace. We're changed by grace. Do Do we all realize that God has given the road, given us the road to life and that more abundantly? He has. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's his choice for us. It's our responsibility back to our Jesus to be living in such a way that we are watching and ready and waiting the rapture and we're ready to go. 300 times in the Bible. 100 in the New Testament. Major doctrine. Jesus says in Luke 22, be praying that you be found worthy to escape the judgment that's coming. He's writing, talking to his disciples. That's us. Church, we've got to be awake, got to be alert. Don't want to be caught up in the tide in the last days where people are just going to be in love with themselves, in love with their stuff, having a form of godliness but denying its power. It's game time. Got to be game on. Hey, if you're being stung and tormented by the locust today, meaning Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, hey, you've got to turn to Jesus and escape God's judgment. That's why he brought you here. So that you could turn to Jesus as you turn away from your idol and you turn to Jesus as the master of your life. My fellow believer, if you're caught up in something, you got to cast it off and repent and go the other way. Because Jesus could come back tonight. Nobody knows the day or the hour. I think the book of Revelation is threefold to us today. It's a warning to the church today of what is coming. So we have some sense of urgency to get out there and preach the gospel because it's a wake-up call to us. Well, this is what's going to happen to the lost. This is what's going to happen to our friends and our family members and our co-workers if we don't share with them. Something's got to be stirring within our hearts. See, the book of Revelation, I believe, does that. It stirs something up in our hearts. It shows us what's coming, not for us, because we're going to escape it, but for those who are not believers yet. It wakes us up, shakes us up. It's also an accurate account of what awaits those who are currently blind. That's That's what the book of Revelation does for us. This is what awaits those who are blind. You know, no one needs to be here when the trumpet judgment comes. I hope we're not. I hope this place is empty. So if you need to come to Jesus, man, come as you are. Just come come right now. Let him set you free from your sin and be the Lord of your life. It's critical. For us believers, though, can I encourage us all to be running the race in in such a way as if you're going to win? That's what Paul said. Paul said, run in such a way as you win. See, God doesn't want us running the race. He does. But he wants us to run in such a way that we win. We hit the tape first. We're striving. We're agonizing. We're putting something into it. And we're seeking to bring as many with us as we can. That's God's heart. That's why we're still here. 
That's, that's, that's your purpose. We're still here because God wants you and I to impact the lost. For proof of that, go read every letter that's in red after the resurrection, which is the words of Jesus. And every single gospel, he says, get out there, make disciples, preach the gospel, get it done. His final words to his church. That's us. Father, we're thankful for your word and for what you want to do in and through our lives. Lord, we want to be found in that place. 